Teamwork makes the dream work. We've all heard that phrase before. I'm sure some of us have used it. Teamwork makes the dream work. And so let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. We're going to read verses 1 down to verse 9. Now, we'll study the entire chapter this evening, uh, but we'll just read the first nine verses to get going here. The Bible says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that, are, that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Even as uh, so that uh, you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse eight, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this this topic tonight, I believe, is very pivotal, especially in the day and age that we're living, because we're living uh, in a day and age where there's a lot of, uh, of, of schisms, there's a lot of, uh, of reasons where people can, can divide. I mean, we live in a very political time. I, and I know that there's been times like this in the past. I know there was times in the 70s where uh, there was social reforms and all kinds of things taking place. Uh, but to me, it seems as if this age, this time that we're living in, uh, there's so many reasons for people to divide. And to be quite honest with you, church, I've noticed in some cases, some folks, even in our church, dividing over some political views. And we're not uh, saying that we're on one side or the other. We're not attacking either side. All we're saying is that the Bible teaches us that as a church, we need to be unified. Uh, We need to be in harmony. If you read the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, you see the church uh, beginning, the church in Jerusalem, the church exploding. Uh, the church growing. Initially, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, 3,000 people were saved at the day of Pentecost. Uh, it goes on to say uh, several chapters later uh, that 5,000 were added to the church. Uh, and then several chapters later, it says that the, the, there were multitudes. It continues on. Uh, that church grew. And then it said they were multiplied. First, they were added. Uh, then multitudes were added, thousands. And then eventually, uh, they couldn't keep track. There were so many people that were being added to the church. Listen, that church was exploding. That church was growing. That church was making an impact uh, in Jerusalem, in that area. And there's one thing that we need to look at that that church had. And every time you see in the book of Acts that that church grew, that church uh, was reaching more people, each and every time it describes the church this way. They were in... One accord. That's the first mention of the Hondas in the, in the Bible. Anyway, um, lame joke, I know. but it's <laughs> They were in one accord. Now, if you're, if you're uh, familiar with music at all, uh, you understand that being in a chord does not mean that you're on the exact same note. You see, so when, when, if we were all uh, on the exact same note, uh, that would not be harmony, that would be uh, 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 uniformity. 
In other words, uh, if we all look the same, uh, if we all talk the same, uh, if we all had our hair the same, uh, if we all dressed the same, if we all had every single conviction exactly the same, then listen, we would be robots, we would be puppets, we would not be unique individuals. In order for a, 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 a chord to work, there must be different notes. Now, those notes need to be in the same chord family, of course, and because uh, some notes that don't go together, they clash. But that chord, if I expect you all to be on the exact same note that I'm on, or if you expect me to be on the exact same note that you're on, that is not harmony. Uh, that is not what God expects. God expects each and every one of us, we're different. We have different upbringings. We have different backgrounds. We have uh, different appetites. We have different desires. We have uh, all sorts of different uh, views and things in this world. But listen, when it comes to being part of God's church, we're to be unified. We're to be in harmony. If we expect to reach this greater Stratford area for the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be willing to agree to disagree agreeably. Y'all with me tonight? We must be willing to say, you know what? Uh, that thing there, that issue or that concern, it's not a major doctrine. Uh, it's not a, a fundamental of the faith. And so if you see it a little differently than I see it, that's okay. I'm not going to be mad at you. I hope you're not going to be mad at me. Uh, the major, see, we need the major on the majors and not major on the minors. Too many people in too many churches are majoring on the minors, and they're minoring on the majors. And this causes schisms, this causes division, this causes animosity in the church. Listen to this story. There was a man who had been stranded on a deserted island for 20 years. One day, finally, a ship came by, and he sees the ship. He starts waving at the ship. He starts jumping up and down, trying to get the people's attention. And they finally see him, and they come ashore, and they get off the ship, and they come to greet this guy. And he goes to greet them, and they start to see kind of like a city that he had built there. And he says, well, let me show you. Let me take you, give you a tour. And he tour, he gives them a tour of, of the street that he had, had made on that island. He, and he takes them over to, uh, to the building that he considered to be uh, his church. And, and this is where I worship God on, on Sunday mornings. Then he took them over uh, a little bit further. And he took them to the community center. And, and this is the community center that I built. And this is where I come for entertainment. And, uh, and then he took them to another building. And said, and this over here, this is my grocery store. And, and this is where I, I do my shopping. And, 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 and he's showing them all the buildings that he had built in these 20 years. And, and then they see another building that he didn't describe to them. And they said, hey, hey, sir. What is that building over there? He said, oh, oh, that's the church I used to attend before I got mad and switched churches. That's the church. It's a joke, folks, okay? It's not real. But it does prove a point. You can leave a person on an island stranded for 20 years by themselves, and they'll still find a reason to get upset at church. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, the pastor can do everything right. He can make every right decision. I mean, the church can be booming and, and just bursting at the seams and people getting saved and people getting baptized and people being discipled and classes being started and buses rolling. And I mean, VBS is booming and someone will find a reason to complain. Are you all with me this evening? I mean, we're all guilty of it. We have to be careful that we start to look at the good things, the positive things, and stop uh, focusing on the small minor uh, problems and the small minor issues that we don't totally agree with.
Now, Corinth was a very pagan city. It had approximately, at this time, 600,000 people in it. It was strategically located. It was a well-traveled commercial center. This city was a, was a very modern city for its time. They had paved streets. They had gutters. They had pedestrian walkways. Uh, they even had a developed, elaborate uh, system that allowed ships to travel through the isthmus where it was located. Uh, this way, the ships could avoid having to the, the, travel around the, the, the peninsula. And so this was a city that was an up-and-coming city. It had fertile fields. It had a good supply of spring water. It was a fast-paced city. Uh, there, people resembled, unfortunately, the, the society there resembled the society of Sodom in the Old Testament. It was a bustling center of business. There were many citizens that were wealthy. It was famous for its temple. Listen now. It was famous for its temple of Aphrodite, which had the cult statue uh, and 1,000 consecrated temple prostitutes. It was notorious around the world for its immorality and for its drunkenness. For its immorality and for its drunkenness. Corinth, Corinth, the the Sodom of the New Testament. Corinth, this pagan, worldly city. Corinth, this is the, the place where this church at Corinth was started. This is the place where Paul is writing this letter and he's saying, listen guys, you got a problem. Instead of you influencing the society, what's happening is the society is influencing you. We got this thing wrong, folks, and he's trying to help them get it straightened out. So let's look at it. Point number one, uh, if you're taking notes on the back of the bulletin there, we should have the outline. Point number one, we see the proof of salvation. The proof of salvation. The proof that these people were truly saved individuals. They were Christians that he was writing to. We see letter A under point number one. We see the address. The address. The proof of salvation. The address. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 1 one more time. The Bible says here, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sosthenes, what's the next word there? Our brother. He says, Sosthenes, our brother. Notice how he continues in verse 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be, what's the next word? Saints. He's our brother, Sosthenes is. Uh, you all are, are sanctified in Christ Jesus. You're called to be saints. He continues in verse 2. With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's our Lord. Sosthenes is our brother. Uh, you guys are sanctified by Jesus Christ. You're called to be saints. These are truly saved individuals that he's writing to. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, the, uh, the name of, of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both, both theirs and ours. Look at verse 3. Grace be unto you and peace from God. Here it is again. Our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the proof that these people were saved individuals. They were uh, Christians because Paul addresses them as such. He says, you're Christians. You've been saved. You've been forgiven. You've asked the Lord to save your soul. You've received the gift of eternal life. Hey, you are family. You're family. And so you need to remember that because I'm addressing you as family members in the same spiritual home. Your family, all right? Uh, let's look at the letter B. We see letter A, we see the address. Uh, we see letter B, we see the activity. The activity. Look at verse number 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse number 4. Verse 4 says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything, 
In everything ye are enriched by Him. In all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind and no gift. You've been enriched. You have plenty of gifts. Uh, you're truly uh, saved people. He goes on to say the latter part of verse 7, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 8, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's saying, not only are you saved, God has enriched you, He's blessed you, God has gifted you, uh, you have various people with various talents in the church that can serve the Lord, uh, that, that we have people in the church that have all kinds of talents that they can use for God's glory. Uh, listen, you're, you're, you should be serving, you should be busy, you should be contributing, uh, you should, instead of focusing on the factions and the schisms and the cliques, get busy serving God. I'm telling you, we humans, I'm, I'm talking about all of us, uh, we, you know what they say, birds of a feather, what? Flock together, right? So the same people sit, sit next to each other, sit next to each other in church all the time. The same people sit in the same seat, we're creatures of habit, right? And we sit in the same seat, in the same section, on the same side, every time we come to church. And I'm not saying that's wrong, all I'm saying is that we need to be careful that we start to develop what's called cliques. Because we sit in the same spot. We sit with the same people. We fellowship with the same folks. Uh, we go out to eat with the same folks. Uh, we spend time with the same folks. And listen, I, there's nothing wrong with any of that except unless we're excluding other people. If we're excluding other people, there's a problem. If we only spend time with this group and we never spend time with that group, there's a problem. And we need to make sure we don't have divisions, we don't have schisms, we don't have uh, these cliques that we see here in the church at Corinth. And we'll see here in just a minute as we continue to read. Uh, we see, number one, the proof of salvation. Let's look at point number two. We see number two, we see the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. Look at verse number 10. The purpose. Verse 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he's, he's begging them. I beseech you, I implore you, I beg you, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same Thing. And that there be no, here it is, no divisions among you. Now, the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's not saying that we have to say the exact same words. What he's saying is that we have to be on the same page, is what he's saying. Uh, we have to be on the same page. We have to be on the same page of the playbook. If we are a team, if we are a family, listen, we have to be on the same page of the playbook to move forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody with me tonight? Let's continue. Uh, he goes on to say there, the, the latter end of verse number 10, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. What's God's purpose for the local New Testament church? God's purpose ultimately, ultimately, there's many purposes, but the main purpose is to reach more people, to see more people saved. Listen, if we're too busy fighting, if we're too busy arguing, if we're too busy, if we spend so much energy trying to prove someone else wrong and prove ourselves right and, and trying to straighten other people out, listen, we'll have no energy to go soul winning. We'll have no energy to make that phone call. We'll have no energy to make that visit. We'll have no energy to prepare that Sunday school lesson. We'll have no energy to, to clean the church, to sing in a choir, to sing a special. Why? We're too busy fighting. Everybody with me tonight? 
We're too busy fighting. And listen, I know it's not necessarily happening here at White Oak Baptist Church. A little bit, okay? Just a little bit. But I've seen it in every church. Every single church that I've been a member of, I've seen this. Where people are too busy duking it out while the world is dying and going to hell. People are too busy straightening out their brother and fixing their sister and and making sure they do this right and making sure they do that right. And listen, there's people dying and going to hell and we're too busy worrying about political issues. And yes, there are concerns. And yes, we need to be involved. And yes, but listen, let me tell you something. We're, we need to be more involved in witnessing and soul winning and handing out tracts and inviting people to church and preparing for the church services and welcoming people as they walk in the door and shaking their hands, having a smile on our face and being positive. We need to be more involved in that than we are in arguing. And, and, and can you believe how he said or she did this? And, and look at them over there. And Everybody with me? Either the Holy... either. Either people are being convicted, the Holy Spirit is putting the oil to the squeak, because it's getting quiet. Amen? (laughs) Y'all with me tonight? We need to make sure that we're focused on the right thing. Uh, One preacher put it this way. He says, and I quote, A church that doesn't have unity becomes a group of people who have lost their way and their mission. Division and fighting and backbiting within a church demoralize and discourage and deaden the effectiveness of of the church. Not only does this destroy the church, it destroys the effectiveness of the church. It undermines the testimony of the church. And such is the case of the church at Corinth. Such is the case of the church at Corinth. Man, I pray it's not, may not, that not be said about White Oak Baptist Church. May that not be said, oh, they're always fussing over there. They're always feuding over there. Uh, they have monthly bickering meetings. You, you know, instead of business meetings, it's monthly bickering meetings. Because they, they fight and argue and, and, and they're at each other's throats. And they're like, man, they're like cats and dogs over there. And nobody was, listen, if we can't get along with each other, why in the world would an unsafe person want what we have? They don't, they get that at work. They get that at home. They get that in their neighborhood. They don't want to come to church and get more arguing and more fussing and more feuding and, and more nastiness. No, that should not be that way. There was a, uh, there was a, a, a horse pulling competition that was done years ago and, uh, and they had these horses pulling, seeing how much weight they can pull. And, uh, one horse, man, it was, it was a strong horse and it pulled 4,000 pounds. I mean, it was, it was a strong horse. And they had this other horse that came behind and, man, also a, a great strong horse. And, and that horse pulled 4,500 pounds. And, and everyone was just in awe, like, wow, this is incredible. They, they put a plan together. They said, hey, let's put the horses together. Let's see if the two horses together, working together, pulling together, uh, doing, going in the same direction together. Let's see if they can pull 8,500 pounds. One pulling 4,000. Uh, the other, uh, you know, enough, uh, strong enough to pull 4,500. Uh, they put these two horses together, and they didn't pull 8,500 pounds. They pulled 15,000 pounds together. Together. Pulling in the same direction. Going in the same direction. Not... Fighting, not bickering, but going, putting forth the effort. The Bible, this is a Bible principle. The Bible says in Leviticus, let's turn there. Turn Leviticus chapter number 26. Leviticus chapter number 26. Let's look at it. This is a biblical principle. Leviticus chapter number 26. We're going to read verse number 8. Leviticus chapter number 26. This is the last time I'll have you turn. We'll stay in 1 Corinthians for the rest of the message. 
Uh, look at verse number 8 in Leviticus chapter number 26. The Bible says here, and five of you, everybody there? Everybody there? Okay, all right. And five of you shall chase an hundred. An hundred. So five, five Israelites, five Israelite soldiers, you'll run off a hundred enemy soldiers. Five will run off a hundred. It goes on to say, and a hundred of you shall put, uh, uh, put 10,000 to flight. Uh, notice how it, it increases exponentially here. Where five uh, can run off a uh, hundred, uh, that's 20, 20 soldiers per, 20 per five. This is 20%. So five, you would think that if there's a hundred, they could uh, get rid of 2,000. Because uh, uh, that, that's how the math would work out. But it says, no, when you work together, there's an effect of synergy. When we work together, when we put, when we lock arms and we say, look, we don't agree on everything, but we agree on the main things. Hey, let's, let's charge forward for the kingdom of God. Uh, let's move forward for the, for the kingdom of God and for the souls of men. Let's do what we can. And listen, we'll do a whole lot more when we're working together than if we're trying to be a lone ranger Christian. We'll do a whole lot more. We'll do a whole lot more. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And so uh, we see uh, the proof of salvation. We see the purpose of salvation. Uh, Letter A under point number two. Letter A is don't exalt personalities. Don't exalt personalities. Okay, this is when someone says, well, I I like Pastor so-and-so better. Or or I like Brother so-and-so better. You know, he teaches better. Or that person over there, you know, I like the way they sing better than this guy. And, And we may not say that, but we act that way. Well, you know, I liked it better when, you know, Pastor So-and-so was here. Or I liked it better when, you know, when we did it the way Pastor So-and-so did it. And, and I liked it when Brother So-and-so was teaching the class. And, and, I, and listen, there's nothing wrong with having those preferences. But listen, if we're going to move forward, we've got to be moving forward together. We've got to be on board together. Look at First Corinthians 1. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. The Bible says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren... By them which are in the house of Chloe, that there are contentions, contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, look at what they're saying. Well, I am of Paul. I follow the Apostle Paul. Who do you follow? Right? This is kind of a smug type of an attitude. Hey, I, I, I belong to the Paul crew. I'm in the Paul clique. Look at it, look at it. I am of Paul, and another say, and I, I am of Apollos. I am smarter than you. I'm better than you. I know more than you. Uh, uh, I'm with Apollos. And the next one says, and, and I, I'm of Cephas. Uh, I follow Peter, and I'm of Cephas. And then this last one, this last one, <laughs> we got you all beat. And I of Christ. Do, do you see the divisions here? You see how they're, they're following a man or they're following this person. And yes, that last group, they should, we should be following Christ, absolutely. Uh, but when we do it at the expense of the others... We say, well, I, I want to spend time with Pastor Lejeune and his family. And, or I want to spend time with Pastor Morales and his family. Or I, I want to spend time with, you know, Brother So-and-so. You know, they're a deacon and they've been here a long, a long time. And, or I want to spend time. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But are we spending time with the new person who just walked in the door? Are we looking for the visitors who, who just came here for the very first time? And they need someone to love on them. They need someone to spend time with them. They need someone to have them over or take them out to eat. Or Listen, are, are we doing that? Are we doing that to those bus people, that, those folks that come in and maybe they're not as clean or they're not as sharp or, or they're not from the, the, the white-collar neighborhood? But listen, they need the Lord and they need our love and they need us to minister to them too. Are you all with me tonight? 
So let's make sure we, we don't say, well, I'm of this group and I'm of that group and, and I'd rather be with these people. And listen, I get that. I understand that birds of a feather will flock together. We're more, we're more comfortable. But if we're going to impact this community for Christ, we have to come out of our comfort zone. We have to. Or else we'll be the status quo. We'll be the status quo. Look at verse number 13. Verse number 13, the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Is Christ divided? Obviously, it's a rhetorical question. He's not. Was Paul crucified for you? Obviously not. Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other, excuse me. Listen, the church, the church members here in Corinth, they were letting names, they were letting affiliations rule instead of harmony and unity. We see first century cliques in full force. Cliques, fashion, factions rather, circles, uh, and, and elitist mentalities do nothing but destroy a church. The church at Corinth was a very unhealthy, very anemic congregation. They were unhealthy, they were anemic because they were more concerned about their circle, their clique, than they were concerned about doing God's work. Now, y'all remember back before COVID-19 when we used to have the fellowship song? Y'all remember the fellowship song? <laughs> when we would say, okay, we sang a verse, now go find someone and shake their hand. Now, obviously, we're not doing that now, but you know what we were doing? We were encouraging the people on this side... <laughs> To talk to the people on this side. (laughs) Encouraging the people on this side to talk to the people on this side. Encouraging the people up front to talk to the people in the back. Why? Because we get in our seat, we get in our our spot, our place, we even park in the same spot every time we come, and, and, and we walk in the same way, we walk out the same way, we talk to the same exact people. we got to get out of our comfort zone, folks. We gotta be willing to reach across the aisle and, and speak to them and look at them and see a new face and say, hey, I don't know who you are. Hey, my name is Pedro. Who are you? Uh, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, let me shake your hand. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Are you gonna be embarrassed sometimes because you, you know, someone's gonna say, well, I've been here for 10 years. You should know my name. That's gonna happen. It's happened to me. I'm the new guy, so that's okay, right? It doesn't matter. We need to go out of our way to welcome people, to, to fellowship with other people, that are not normally in our clique, so to speak. L- listen to this. this. This is important. God accepts me. That's called grace. I accept God's acceptance of me. That's called faith. I accept myself. That's called peace. I accept you. That's called love. You accept me. That's called fellowship. And we accept sinners. That's called evangelism. Let's make sure we're practicing acceptance, love. We're exerting ourselves to love on people, get to know people, uh, show them that God loves them. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing, look at it, verse 17. What's the main thing? The Apostle Paul tells us. Look at verse 17. The main thing. For Christ sent me not to baptize, although baptism is good and right, But to what? Preach the gospel. That's the main thing. 
Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of, uh, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Verse 18, look at it. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, the unsaved, them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I'm all for singing. We should worship God in song. But that's not where the power is. I'm all for offerings. We should give our offerings, our tithes to the Lord. But that's not where the power is. I'm all for having the building clean and the property looking nice and and that's fine and dandy and, and great. But that's not where the power is. You know where the power of the church is? When the man of God opens the word of God and he takes God's message and he proclaims it to God's people. And he honors God. That's where the power of the local New Testament church is. When we as Christians preach the word of God, the gospel, to our co-workers, to our neighbors, that's where the power is. When we as Christians take the word of God and we share it with our family members that are unsaved, that's where the power is. When we as Christians go to that, that person that maybe that rubs us the wrong way and, and we share the gospel with them, that's where the power is. The preaching of the word of God. See, now these people, the Greeks, see... Uh, the Corinthians, uh, obviously Corinth is a, a city of Greece, uh, the Greeks, they cherished the things that were intellectual, the things of the mind, and uh, the great names of poetry, and the great names of art, and the great names of science and philosophy are people that we associate with Greece, uh, where Corinth was located. And uh, you think about Homer, you think about Sophocles, Sophocles and Socrates, and Plato, and, and Aristotle, and, and, and Euripides, and all these names in history, and we think, man, these were intelligent people, and intellectual people, and smart people and talented people and the Greeks were so smart in their own minds that they could not accept the story of a God who would come down in human flesh and allow himself to be tortured allow himself to be killed uh, and allow himself to die on a cruel Roman cross they couldn't accept that Uh, the Greeks they would view the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ the way you and I view the electric chair today well, well, that's for criminals, and that's for, for bad people, and, and, and that's how they viewed it. And you see, uh, John Phillips, uh, a Bible commentator, he describes a Corinth this way. He says, the, and I quote, The idea of a God becoming a man was not so strange, but that he should be born in a reeking cow barn, that he would be raised in poverty and in obscurity, that he would go about doing good with no thought of reward, uh, uh, meekly accepting uh, uh, insults and false accusations, and finally submit to the unspeakable ignominy and torment of death by crucifixion. Well, that, of course, was nonsense. End quote. That was nonsense. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 1. Look at verse 19. Verse 19. Verse 19. We're going to read down to verse number 28. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness, here it is again, of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Verse 24. 
but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Well, I am of Paul, and I'm of Peter, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm a... Listen, it don't matter what man... If we're trying to follow a man, he's nothing compared to God. He's frail. He's weak. Uh, he's, he's insignificant. Uh, it doesn't matter how well he preaches, how well he sings, how well he prepares, how well he, uh, he organizes, how well he leads. It doesn't matter. In comparison to God, he's absolutely nothing. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. And as long as that man is following the Lord, as long as that leader is following the Lord, then absolutely follow. But if that leader stops following God, you stop following that leader. There shouldn't be factions. There shouldn't be schisms. There shouldn't be splintering and splitting in the church. It shouldn't be happening if we exalt personalities. That's exactly what will happen. Let's look at lastly, letter B, under point number two. Letter B, don't exude pride. Don't exude pride. In verses 19 through 28, the passage we just read, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, inspired the Apostle Paul to say, listen, God's wiser, God is stronger. Uh, the foolishness of preaching over and over and over and over again. Don't think that you're something because without God, you're absolutely nothing. Look at verse 29. Verse 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he, ha- he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord. You see, the problem that we have in our churches, and I'm telling you, I've seen this in every church I've been a part of. Well, you know, I, I don't like it because that's not the way we've always done it. Oh, I, I don't want to participate because, you know, uh, well, that's not the way we used to do it, so I, I don't like that new way. I'm telling you, it's happening in every church I've been a part of. People will say they have the, the mentality and the attitude of a toddler. And they'll say, well, you know, it's my toy and, and my way and, and I got to have it do. And if it's not, I'm going to take my ball. I'm going to go home. I'm dead serious. I had this happen in New York. Uh, there, were, there were people that said, you know, uh, they, <laughs> you don't know these people, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, I had one deacon take Trina and I out. And he and his wife took us out to eat. And uh, they took us out to eat, and, you know, they had never taken us out to eat before. And, again, I fellowship with just about anybody, especially around food, so I don't care. Amen. Anyway, so uh, we went to eat, and I found out why he took us out to eat. He, de- he decided in that, in that meal time to tell me how I should run the Wednesday night church service. Now, that's not the way he portrayed it, but that's what he was doing. And, you know, we used to do this, and, and now you're doing this, and, you know, it would be helpful if we did this. And I respectfully, I said, well, you know, I wanted to say, if you want to run the Wednesday night service your way, go pastor your own church. (laughs) I didn't say that, of course. Uh, But you know what? I I respectfully disagreed. Here's what happened. As soon as I disagreed with him, not at the table, 
I respectfully disagree with him at the table. That next Wednesday, he didn't show up. And the Wednesday after that, and the Wednesday after that, and the Wednesday after that, and the Wednesday after that. And for the next, the whole rest of the time that we were there, he would not come to Wednesday night church. You know why? Because I didn't do it his way. I'm telling you, it's happening in churches all around the country. They want it done their way. They want it done the way they've always done it. Uh, and listen, why are you changing it? How could you, how dare you come in here and it's happened this way for 40 years. It's happened this way for 50 years. How, who do you think you are? And I look at 1 Corinthians and I say, the Bible tells me I need to not have a, a problem. I need to just be cooperative. And if it's not something, uh, it's not a fundamental of the faith, it's not something doctrinal, if he's not committing sin, if he's not doing anything immoral, then I need to follow his lead. Y'all with me tonight? <laughs> White Oak Baptist Church, I commend you. Y'all are doing good. But I'm sure in all of our hearts there are things that we say, man, I wish this was different. I wish that was different. I wish you know, we would do it this way. You know what? Let God handle that. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. You want something to change in the preacher and the leader? Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Let him change the leader's heart. Don't we as followers come and, and try to demand change? That creates a problem. Listen, too many people will say, well, it's just, it's just people being people. As long as there's human beings involved, there's going to be problems, there's going to be schisms, there's going to be divisions. Listen, we need to be careful. We need to scrap that and say, no, it ain't, I'm not going to be that kind of human being. I'm not going to be that kind of Christian. I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to be cooperative. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to go out of my way to help. Even if I disagree with what's being done, as long as it's either moral, illegal, or unscriptural, I'm following. Y'all with me tonight? Follow the leaders that God has placed in our life. Listen to this. A lady wrote to Dear Annie. She said, Dear Annie, my husband and I are separated, and he moved in with his girlfriend six weeks ago. A few weeks ago, I had to call the girlfriend's husband in order to pass along some information. Harris and I met for dinner and haven't stopped calling each other since. We occasionally meet for coffee or drinks. There is an attraction that gets stronger each time. I have met Harris's children and my kids have met him. Now, mind you, uh, this is the woman whose husband left her for Harris's wife. And now her and Harris are getting together. I have met Harris's children and my kids have met him. However, our spouses have no idea we are seeing each other. I realize that we're not the ones who broke up the marriages, but I just don't know whether this is proper. Duh. Hello. <laughs> we seem so compatible. Oh, it feels so good. We seem so compatible. Should we continue this relationship at a slow pace to see where it takes us? Or must we go our separate ways? And she signed it, waiting Patiently. Why have we come to the point in society where we accept dysfunction as normal? I mean, this is dysfunction. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And these people are accepting it as if it's okay. And I'm telling you, there are churches across America, there are churches in, in, in all over the world that are accepting dysfunction as normal. Fighting. Clicks. Division. No big deal. This is how it's always been. This is how it's always going to be. I do what I want. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. 
Listen, I don't want to be that kind of a Christian. I don't want God to look down and say, man, they're not doing it the right way. I wish he would just get on, on board. I wish that he would just follow. I wish that he would just uh, cooperate. I wish that he would just be willing to disagree agreeably so my kingdom can move forward. Let's stop accepting the status quo. Let's stop acting like it's okay to have cliques and circles in church. Let's not accept dysfunction as normal. How about it tonight? Let's go out of our way to find someone that we don't normally shake hands with or talk to. I know we're not shaking hands. I get it. You understand what I'm saying. Find someone that you don't normally talk to this coming Sunday. Speak to them. Ask them their name. Uh, Tell them your name. Get to know them a little bit. Uh, By the way, uh, you could easily uh, invite someone to go get a bite to eat that you don't normally spend time with. Uh, Ask someone and maybe have them over your house. Maybe even sit in a different spot come this Sunday morning in the church. Boy, that would cause an uproar, wouldn't it? Hey, let's be willing to do whatever it takes to help people feel comfortable. I read um, this past week, or two weeks ago, I read the uh, definition of etiquette. And I thought, man, that's interesting. The definition of etiquette is making others feel comfortable in your presence. I thought, man, I like that. That's good. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to make others feel comfortable in my presence. I don't want anyone to say, man, I don't like being around that guy. Man, he's a drag. Man, he, 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 he brings me down. He discourages me. No, I don't want anyone to say that. I want people to say, you know what? That guy, is, he's nice. He's upbeat. He's excited. And, and even when I got bad things happening in my life, I want to be an encouragement to people because everyone's got problems, man. Everyone's got problems. No matter how good and how tidy their life looks, Everyone has problems. And let's make sure we go out of our way to include. I'll say this last thing and then we'll be done. Church is supposed to be inclusive, not exclusive. It's not a social club. It's not you have to have this level of income and you have to dress this way. I hate it when I go to a golf course. I had this happen to me one time and I didn't have a collared shirt. And they forced me to buy a collared shirt. Or they wouldn't let me play. I thought, well, that's oppressive, but whatever. I hope and, that didn't make me feel comfortable in their presence. You with me? I, I hope and pray that we don't make people feel that way at White Oak Baptist Church. I hope and pray that we don't make people feel that way anywhere. But let's make sure we go out of our way in church to not be like the church at Corinth. Let's not have divisions and schisms and factions and cliques. And, hey, let's love on everyone. Let's do our best to reach out in love and in acceptance to everyone that we can. Everybody with me tonight? Amen. Let's bow together for word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. We pray tonight, dear God, that you would help us. Lord, help me. And I pray, Lord, that everyone in this room this evening would have the same desire in their heart. Lord, help us to be inclusive. Help us, Lord, to reach out. Help us, Lord, to step out of our comfort zone and be willing to Uh, Make other people feel comfortable around us. Make other people feel comfortable in our presence. Lord, you've done, you've set the example. You've set the bar. Uh, you've, You've made us feel comfortable in your presence, even though we don't deserve to be in your presence. Lord, you've embraced us. You've included us into your family, even though we don't deserve to be a part of your family. 
Lord, you've promised us heaven and an eternity with you, even though we don't deserve it, Lord. Please help us, dear God, to show that same love, that same grace, that same acceptance to others. We thank you again for this, uh, this conviction, Lord, this, these principles from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Lord, help White Oak Baptist Church and the members and the attenders of White Oak Baptist Church, uh, Lord, to be Christians that are inclusive. Christians that are loving and caring and kind and cordial. Lord, please help that to be our testimony. We love you tonight, Lord. Dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray.